0: send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer.
1: Hey, welcome back in. This show is Mark Reinbold. got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprophet.com. That's www.jewishprophet.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time, Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also, and you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker.
2: We did an introductory to it tonight, really we're going to build a little bit more on that, and then we're going to start teaching on each one of these individual uh, uh, fruits. Uh, as we uh, come to them. Now, let's go in as we've used, and I said we'd use for a text each and every week, Galatians 5, uh, 22, and uh, part of 23, is where it speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it says in 5, 22, Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, this is the fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are the things of which we are told must be in our lives if we are to be productive Christians. And I uh, said last week, and you'll probably hear me say each one of these weeks, that uh, for those of us that don't understand about producing the fruit and have only been taught about uh, speaking in other tongues and walking on water and raising the dead and the gifts in operation, you missed the boat. You have truly missed what God has got in mind for all of your walk. This is the most important part after Jesus Christ and then film of the Holy Ghost that can happen to your life is you learn to produce this fruit because without this fruit you're cut off as we told you last week and if you're cut off then you're not going to be able to fulfill to do the things that you want to do and need to do as a Christian and on the other side of it God's not going to be able to give to you the things that he wants you to have, to be able to bless you with those things because you have cut yourself off, all right? So tonight, let's go to John 14. We're going to look tonight again just a, a, a little differently, and then, as I said, hopefully by next week, we will get into the teaching of each one of these fruit individually. John 14, the 12th verse. John 14:12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works uh, than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Thirteenth verse. And whatsoever he shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask any, a, shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and you need to underline that. If if you love the Lord, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, look what he says right after it in the 16th verse. He said, and if you'll keep his commandments. Now, what he's really saying here is, now, if you will keep my commandments. He said, then I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that uh, he may abide with you forever. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to insert something here. And uh, I realize it may upset you a little bit, but think about it. before you get upset. There's a grand possibility that if you're not, those that never have kept the commandments of God, what is His commandments? This isn't talking about just the Ten Commandments. What's being referred to here is simply His Word. If you haven't kept His Word and you have received what you thought to have been the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, you may be barking up the wrong tree. Can you receive that? You understand? Now, let, let's go back to it because I don't want you to miss this. Now, he's talking here in the 12th verse, and he's saying that greater works you're going to do than he's done. All right? He's saying that. I believe that the church is literally going to see greater works until 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, we find something here that we have learned to call the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Now, if you will look with me in the 6th verse, it I'm sorry, the 8th verse, it says, To one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Now these uh, uh, are nine gifts that we call the gifts of the Spirit that God gives, and these are spiritual gifts, uh, gifts, or supernatural gifts. We will study these gifts in time. So we have the gifts of the Spirit we just read to you. We have the fruit of the Spirit, and we have the Beatitudes that we gave you out of the fifth chapter of Matthew now these work hand in hand and it's important to understand that when they're rightfully being worked and as I said to you before I don't believe that gifts will ever truly work right in your life until you first produce the fruit okay I think that what we got backwards was we jumped out and we're going to do this do the gifts and we're going to pick up the fruit later because we had most of them anyway uh, in some of our cases, we thought we had them all, and some of us thought we got them when we got saved. I think i don't know just just how that was that arrived and I had as I spoke I think last week and told you I had somewhat of an attitude problem with that myself at one point in time uh, but uh, the gifts without the fruit you can so we've got to do the works that he did first, of which we very, very much lack in the church today but he's he's saying here that there's greater works to be done. Now, he goes right on down through here. Now, what happens is people in the faith movement, and that's part of what we are too, get caught up here in 13 and 14, all right? And we get into this thing, that whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And you go around saying, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I want a Cadillac. And Zapoli, a pink Cadillac, arrived that afternoon out in front of your home with, a, with a, the back end full of uh, $1,000 bills that you won in a lotto. Now, if that happened to anybody, you need to stand up and let us know that scripture works that way, okay? I overemphasize that simply to say this, that too many of us, and and, and I realize that by overemphasizing that, I may sometimes bypass or overshoot what I'm really trying to to do with it, but what I want you to understand is, in our own way, all of us have taken those two scriptures and we have tried a lot of silly things, uh, not realizing that, folks, in order to receive anything from God, there's something you're going to have to do. See, even to receive eternal life, you had to believe that He was the Son of God. That He came and He died and on the third day he was raised from the dead and, and He now sits at the right hand side of the Father and the blood that He shed was the cleansing of your sins, the sins of this world, and by the stripes that He bore was our healing. Okay. So what happens is, and and with this teaching, it's very important to, I don't want to exclude those two, uh, uh, but what I want you to understand that in the 12th verse, he's talking about the church going to work greater works. Then you jump down to this 15th verse, and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And he said, and and what he's saying in essence in the 16th verse, and if you keep my commandments, if you keep my word, if you keep, if, 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 if you keep my word, then he says, I will pray the Father and he will send you another comforter. And he may abide, that he may abide with you forever. Can you get a hold of what I'm trying to say to the church? We've got a lot of wacko, uh, lame brain, tongue talking folks running around here, probably not filled with the Holy Ghost at all. And you're saying, "Oh no! Now wait a minute! Now I was taught if you ask, you receive. You do. You receive if, in fact, you're complying to Scripture first as being a a born again Christian, and then the fact of knowing. See, you you don't have to keep His commandments to be to, to be uh, uh, to receive eternal life. But in order to receive the Comforter, He's telling us right here: If you love Me, you're going to have to keep My commandments. If you love Me, you got to keep them." And he said, and 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 then if you do that, he says, I'll pray the Father. So what we're saying to you is, if you'll connect the 15th and the 16th and the 12th verses together and understand it this way, the greater works that are going to be worked are going to be through us loving the Lord God with everything on the inside of us, putting Him first and absolutely first in our lives, and then knowing that we're going to have to produce this fruit because I'm, I, as we got into a little li- last week and hopefully more this week, that you'll begin to understand the importance of, uh, of the fruit. If the fruit is in production, that's where we're going to see the greater works going to come out of the fruit production in our own lives and, and collectively in the church in the time in which it's going to take place. The, 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 the main thing that God is trying to say to the church today is, Church, you missed the mark. And, and I have said for a long time, The church is going to have to go back. In most cases, is going to have to come to the very base of the cross and start over again, and they're going to have to look at this thing all over again and decide, what have I learned, and did I learn correctly, or have I received the tradition and doctrine of man that has got nothing to do with the depth of God's Word that I'm hearing? And that's truly what's going to have to happen in the church. Oh, no, it upsets people. Don't don't. And I, some of you may have been upset. Truly really not with me, but uh, uh, I have from time to time have heard such talk that would get around the elders' table while we were talking. But the fact of the matter is, and it's simple. What we want you to do is, I keep telling you, we want you to think. We want you to be sure that you know what you have been taught in the past is true. Not from a standpoint of some man told you so, and some Holy Ghost goosebub will run up your spine to confirm it, but because the Word of God said. And that's all that counts. It's not my opinion, and it's not your opinion, it's God's Word. Now, now look back at this again from the statement that I just made. I know that we have been taught that all there is to uh, is to say, uh, ask and you shall receive, and I got the Holy Ghost. Now, that's there's truth to that. But am I not right when I said what Jesus said here, we have to understand if you gotta love me and keep my commandments. You gotta keep the commandments. You gotta love him. If you love him, you're gonna keep his word, and through keeping his word, then he's gonna pray the Father, and the Father's gonna give unto you another comforter. So yes, I, I you know, I've heard people say, Well, you ought to get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost at the same time. I used to be an advocate of that, and and, and at times I probably have got tapes I'd like to burn because I agreed with that. But that was when I was young and silly and stupid, I guess. You uh, know, since then I, you know, every year that goes by, you, you begin to learn more and more of the things that you took for granted that somebody else that was of prominence said that that doesn't connect the scripture and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have the pain under our walk with Jesus Christ or as to the truth that it was presented to be. Now, in Matthew five, in Matthew five, the third verse. Of course, this is the Beatitudes. All right. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall uh, be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And boy, I'll tell you, if you want to underline one to to, to really get after and try to receive, it would be that one. Those that th- those that are going to Hunger and thirst after righteousness are going to be filled. And that's important in this day. The seventh verse says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now, we also need to turn, as you would keep your, uh, uh, put a marker there, your finger there, into First Corinthians 12 chapter. Now, these are the be, as I said, the beatitudes. All right. Now, in uh, and rejoicing in the beatitudes is absolutely worthless, okay? The gifts without the fruit and the rejoicing in the beatitudes is worthless. These three have to work hand in hand together. Now, let's look for just a second with the fruit of the Spirit. There's here three demonstrations toward God and the fruit of the Spirit. There's the divine love flow uh, from the human spirit to others, all right, it's a, divine, it's a divine love that flows from the human spirit to the joy of the Most High, the joy of the Most High is demonstrated toward others, you can see that, like I said, some of us have joy when we come to church and when we get out in the car, something happens through our joy, the problem is we didn't have joy when we came to church, we just acted like we did because, after all, that's what we're supposed to act like in church, isn't it? Well, I've been to a few churches they don't even act like that, okay? Uh, one time I don't remember where we was even at. I, that was a, absolutely the bunch of most sour-looking people I've ever seen in my life. Well, if you saw what we see week in and week out from standing up in these, in these places, you know, looking out along on, you know, when I tried my best joke, you know, which one that is, don't you, about paying attention. Didn't move them at all, I'm telling you, it didn't. Of course, I understand by this point in time that joke hasn't moved many. I think the most I ever saw it move anybody was out at St. Louis when we were out there and this guy used it as a, in a comedy routine. I know that guy thought that was the best joke he'd ever had. I said, see, it made the whatever that was. The third thing is the serenity of heaven the serenity of heaven itself in that it can be demonstrated toward toward God now I uh, and it also can be demonstrated toward people at the same time mostly uh, that uh, serenity of heaven is. A flow that with God to man, to man back to God. Now there's also three other demonstrations here of long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. And of course with those three, three, you look at those as being things that are more toward man than toward God. Because we've got to have long-suffering to put up with each other. There's no doubt about that. And it don't have to, don't hurt a little bit to have gentleness, uh, you know, end all that. And, of course, the goodness part is an absolute. Now, there's also uh, three manifestations of this fruit that would be the inner man, the spirit man, heart man, if you want to call it that, and uh, the fact that we're saved by faith, and we walk in meekness, and uh, we must be temperate. And, uh, <laughs> um, th- and that's probably one of the toughest when we get to it, is temperance. Uh, to be temperate... Uh, and in, in all areas is a very very difficult thing to be and if anybody here that's got all these things beforehand will praise god for it uh we're still working at it and uh probably will be when jesus comes all right uh, it's it's something but it's something you got to work at god honors you're making a step working toward these things and you need to note that off right off the bat as we said you don't want to start out with trying to think that you're going to produce all these all this fruit next week it's going to take a lifetime you got to start one area pick out what you think to be the easiest that you probably can get after the, the, the you know like I told about the you know the, the the badges and the boy scout thing pick out an easy one and that you think's easy and and, and but don't give up on it and think that you got it uh, stay with it and you'll understand more now in the gifts of the spirit we have uh, gifts of revelation gifts of power and and gifts of inspiration or utterance and like i said we will we will get after these things to, in a more depth when the time comes. But uh, with the with the demonstration of these nine gifts here, uh, we find that with the gifts of revelation that is spoken about, it's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. When it comes to the gifts of power, it's faith, working in miracles, and healing. Now, the gifts of inspiration or utterance, as we've called them, these are simply prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, These utterance gifts are the most played with gifts in the church. Very seldom there's, uh, in any Pentecostal charismatic church that you've ever been in, these are the predominant ones that are used. Uh, I I didn't think about this until I was putting this uh, together uh, this evening, Uh, going over this evening, uh, this afternoon, to, to come here tonight you want to know the least of what works in this church? It is the utterance gifts. It is the utterance gifts. The thing that works most in all the others is the thing that works least here. And I can tell you simply why. God does not have to prophesy, give tongues and interpretation every time you get together. He doesn't have to do that and shouldn't. Right here is the mouth of God speaking, here. When there's divine revelation that comes it will come to you through prophecy, it could be tongues or interpretation tongue tongues, but that doesn't mean that every time you have a meeting that those things are in operation and need to be in operation. They weren't in the book of Acts. They didn't get together, they didn't prophesy every time Paul and the boys, or Peter and the boys got together, and there wasn't tongues and interpretation given every time they got together. But somehow or other, what we did, again, is the same thing that I, I keep saying, the part which God has done in my life. and still doing in my life and will continue to do till Jesus comes, is trying to give me enough balance to give you enough balance to understand that is out of balance. Because you see, you don't see, uh, you don't see, oh, you see these revelation gifts work more now, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, uh, uh, there's a discerning the Spirit, so uh, people play with that. The ones that, that you don't play with, the, fr- the faith, the working of miracles, and the healing, you don't play with those. Those are either there or they ain't there. And there's a lot of places that try to play even with those, but the fact of the matter is, uh, the miracles either happen or they don't happen. So you can't you can't manifest that. You can't. In other words, you can stand up and prophesy, and it may or may not be God, as long as it's exhortation, comfort, and 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 uh, uh, within that realm of which we've been taught, uh, then we can accept that as being from God. And that's totally not right either. It just because it uh, falls in line with those things that we've been taught. It doesn't mean that's as we've told you, within the flow of the Holy Spirit. And it's very dangerous to take to, to, for somebody to get up and do those things in service if it's not of God because what it does, it pulls or, or turns the anointing and takes it in another direction. Then God can't do what God wants to do. And it's very important to be able to follow the anointing. And, and, and like I said, it's always comforting to know if you trust the, the, the man of God that you sit under and when he can tell you he's going to prophesy, he'll let you know it's rather comforting to know that nobody has to make the back end of a donkey out of themselves. Uh, uh, you know, because I know when I walk out as to what's going to happen, I've sought the face of God and understand. And if, if there's going to be that, I know that. We'll spend the time, give the time, and, and it will come forth, as, as, as it does from time to time. But uh, folks, you can't, there's just so much can be said uh, in these utterance gifts. Uh, there's just so much. I, I've seen. I've seen ministers try to, have churches based on giving people word of knowledge, word of wisdom. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with that. If each of one of us were here tonight, I could probably hold your attention for about a month with that. But in a month's time, I would have told you everything that I could think of telling you, and then what would I have left to tell you? Right? And you know what always happens to those churches? They always do this. They always get big, and then they get little again. Because that's what it's all based on. You can't, you can't base a church on a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. You can't, but you see, where we, again, we miss God uh, in all of it was that God never told us to base the church on that. What did He tell us to base the church on? Jesus Christ at the head cornerstone. And we've got so mixed up into the gifts of the Spirit. Well, there's some these. There's some national ministry today that's so wrapped up into the Holy Spirit that Jesus isn't even mentioned anymore. And folks, that's not what God's got in mind. That's not at all what He's got in mind. Well, I don't know. We we'll get off on something else here. Now, with the Beatitudes, there's, there's, uh, here are three directions of the of the Spirit man: the inward, the upward, and the outward. And we've got those who are, are poor in the Spirit the inward, they that mourn, and the meek. That's all an inward thing. Now, the the upward thing would be those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, the merciful and the pure of heart. The outward would be peacemakers, and those which are persecuted, the reviled, and the persecuted, as it was said in that last verse. Man is created in three dimensions, spirit, soul, and body. Okay? And it's neat when you break this all down and look at the fact that God and, and you can break this down, I'm sure you could take it and break it down differently i it just that's just the way when God dealt with me the first time I ever got into this that I, that I felt God was breaking it down to me this way, but it's neat to see that God can break each of these categories down in the, which is nine of each one into three sections each one and break them down to where each one of them can be called spirit, soul, and body, each one of these. And, it, and it's it's neat to know that. Now let's go to Galatians 5.17. Now that uh, may not seem to mean a lot to you at this point in time, what we're doing here, but it will in time. It will in time. Three or four years later, you'll, you'll look back at this and you'll understand a whole lot more of it than probably you do tonight or, or even I do tonight, as I would go back to it. In Galatians five seventeen it says, "For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you, that you would. You need to underline that you cannot do. And the reason that you cannot do is that your spirit, your spirit man." is being more controlled by your flesh man than God really wants it to be controlled by. All right? And see, Paul is saying, and what he's saying here is is just simply the fact that he says that now your your flesh lusteth against the spirit and your spirit against the flesh. In other words, there's a battle. Paul said, the things that I don't want to do are the same things that I end up doing. He said, I hate my place. There's nothing good about my place. I sin daily because of it. And he said, every time that I get re-, you know, he said, I find myself doing the things that I shouldn't. Boy, we've made up all kinds of stories of what was wrong with Paul. You know, none of them scriptural. But the fact of the matter is, Paul understood this battle. The only thing that's in you folks that's, that's right is your spirit. That's the reason that battle of your flesh is always going to be there. And we are flesh. None of us are going to get so holier than thou that we get to the place where we think that, oh, we're above, we're above all the fleshly things. No, your flesh is always going to need your flesh as long as you've got it. Okay? Now, when you get without it, then that's different. Now, it's not saying you don't work on it. Now, that's not, that's not the excuse to throw it out the window either, okay? Well, Brother Deckard said, don't worry about it, you know. No, that's, you no, know, that's not that's not what I'm saying. He says that there's a battle. He said that the, that the flesh and the spirit are contrary, or they battle one against another, so that you can't do the things uh, that you would. Now, what are the works of the spirit? The fruit of the spirit. Going down into that, but the fruit of the spirit is the fruit of the spirit is that's the works of the spirit, the works of the flesh, and the lust of the flesh. All right? Now, in Matthew 7, go back over there with me, or two there, please. In Matthew seven seventeen, it says, Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. Now, we touched this a little last week, and, and I'll try to do this every week because it's it's really good for a flesh to hear this. Uh, uh, actually, it's good for a spirit. A flesh hates it. But a corrupt tree... Bring a forth evil fruit. A good fruit tree is a good fruit tree. An evil fruit tree is an evil fruit tree. And nary shall the twain meet, as they say. Okay. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Now, last week I asked you to underline it. If you forgot your pen, go ahead this week and do so. Okay. Now, a good tree cannot what? Uh, if you're a Christian, wave at me tonight. Hello, good trees. All right, we're good trees. All right, well, you and I are good trees. Now, last week I explained to you how Jesus, He would parallel this stuff, and He would do it in such a way as to that where they were living and could understand. So everybody knew about fruit trees. So He was talking about fruit trees, and He was, he was talking about the Christian here. He's saying a good fruit tree, a, good, a Christian cannot bring forth evil fruit, is what He's saying. Neither, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. A Christian, a non-Christian, cannot bring forth good fruit. Not, not. I'm talking about now. We're talking about spiritual things of God now. They say, well, they can go out here and buy, uh, you know, do good things for the for the poor and all that. But yeah, but that's not bringing forth good fruit. See, That's not bringing forth good fruit. He says that they can't. Now you have got to understand something. You are either one or the other, and we tried to stress this last last time, and it's important to do it again this time. You are one or the other. You are either a good tree or you are an evil tree. Now, just because you sat in church all your life doesn't automatically make you a good tree. Now, we're going to get sticky here before we get done with this, so... For some of your visit, you've been only through this once, twice. You've probably been through it three times, haven't you? You can't be both. We've got, we've got people that I, I'm absolutely certain that are sitting in churches and they've been saved. How can you know that? I'm glad you asked. Because the fruit that they produce Folks, there is a difference between being a Christian and out here in this world. I realize that a lot of the community today in these, in these uh, across the face of this earth can't tell or separate the Christians from the world. But rich in the world. God said to separate yourself. The thing of separating yourself comes down to realizing that you are a good tree. You are to produce good fruit. Now, we talked last week, and I don't know whether I can get to it this week or not. Yeah, we're going to. We're going to get to it. It goes on to say, Every tree, this is the 19th verse, that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now, let's stop there again. I hope I can say in the same along the same lines as I did last week, that if in fact you are in a church calling yourself a Christian and the fruit of the Spirit is not in your life, there is no love, joy, picking on the line. You probably, without any reservations, do I say this, have been hewn down and cast into the fire. You probably have been. Now, we're going to get a little deep here, so get your Holy Ghost waiters on. We'll try to uh, bring you up here in a minute. uh, Because it says in the next verse, Wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. That's that's the reason that the, the day and the hour that's come to the church now is so much different than it was 20 years ago. Twenty years ago, being filled with the Holy Ghost was speaking in other tongues and and going to church and and, and falling down on the floor, and that was a great service, as the Spirit of God may have put you on the floor. That generation has passed. The generation which is at the door of the church now that's knocking, that's in, inside the church even, is a generation that's going to take the Word of God to the depths in which it has to be taken in order for us to usher Christ back to the face of this earth. And it's very simple when you look at it. But you see, until we can do that, we are going to have to get everybody in agreement, or disagreement, whatever that seems to be, as to whether or not the Word of God is true. If the Word of God is true, then you and I have to be able to say, and get honest enough to say, I need deliverance. This is a deliverance church. This church will get you delivered if you will participate. If you're going to play self righteous, you're in the wrong building. If you're going to play self righteous, you're in the wrong building. If you're if you're already uh, you know if you've already arrived and what you need to be somewhere else. These churches are for people that know that they're not perfect. These churches for people that know that they lack the depth of God's Word and they want it desperately enough that they will smack the old flesh, embarrass themselves, and come up and get the devil cast out of them from time to time. Yep. We know about that, don't we? Now, those of us that are applauding are those of us that have been up front and, and, and put our flesh under our feet. Because as I told you before, we're not into walking back to the aisles and pointing out your whatever. You know what's right and wrong in your life. What we're here to do is to help you to get the wrongs out of your life so the rights can work and get the right there so it will work. Our, our, our place is, is to get you to the place where you will self-examine yourself and be more than, oh, I don't need that. Truly examine yourself, and if you need it, you need it. If you don't, then let's get by. Uh, uh, invariably, when I say these things, uh, and we will do this with what we're doing. If it's tonight or next week or whenever it is, as those of you that have truly been hewn down and cast into the fire, and you know that you know, you know that you're not a good tree. You know that you're not producing good fruit. You know things aren't working right. Well, the fact of the matter is, it's not too late. See, thank God that we live in the time that we live in. It's not too late. But you see, in order for it to be uh, where it's not too late. You're going to have to get honest enough to say, "I'm the one, me. I've been hewing down, I've been cast in the fire, I've produced rotten fruit for years, spoken the other tongues, danced in the middle of the aisles." You're going to have to be honest enough with yourself if it's to work. Now, now, we've been taken out of the wild tree, and we. Talked about that last week and grafted into the holy tree. We've been taken out of the wild and, and grafted into the holy. Now let's go. Let's go to Romans eleven and we'll oh, tie this tie this to that. Romans 11, 17th verse. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them. Uh, for takest of the root and the, the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou will say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, not by high-mindedness, or not be not high-minded, but fear, For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. See, we don't get preached at enough about that, or taught enough about that. Most of us believe that, well, now that I'm a Christian filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, whoop-dee-doo, here I am, I've got it made. No, you don't have it made. No, you don't. That was the beginning of the matter. It's not the end of the matter. The problem is that what we did, most of us uh, got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and sat down on the Holy Ghost dust and have done nothing. We produce no fruit. We're a bunch of dried up old prunes. And we call ourselves Christians who would want to be one being around you when you're at home. And then we can't understand why our kids don't want to go to church. Well, they all like, act like mom and dad. I don't want to go. That's what it is. That's what Christianity is, because mom and dad's got it. Drag us up, us there every week, huh? Go in there and they sit down and jump up and down and shout and even prophesy and get spiritual and go home and 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 and, and, and absolutely raise raise Cain all week at home. Well, there's hope. He's saying, he said, I'm going to tell you. Paul's telling him. He said, don't get high-minded. Don't, don't, you know, don't, don't let your back pocket outgrow your billfold here. Uh, understand something. He goes on. He says, he says, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the the goodness of the the severity of God on them which fail severity, but Toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. You've got to continue in his goodness. What is his goodness? Well, right. what we're doing right now is telling you that you have to produce the fruit. All right? Now listen, he says, If thou continue in his goodness, producing fruit is part of his goodness. Otherwise thou also shall be cut off. Now we got... The end of the scripture in Matthew, there in the 7th chapter, uh, saying those that produced evil fruit was hewn down and cast into the fire. All right? So there only stands one of two fruit trees in the church. There only stands one of two. That's the good ones. The bad ones are still there. Spiritually, if you've been cut off or cut down, hewn down and thrown into the fire. Spiritually. Does that mean I'm going to hell? No, not at all. Talking about the blessings of God pertaining to and in your life each and every day. Now, churches are full, as I said, of both. We've got the people that are truly are being blessed of God. Truly, uh, the good trees. Then we got the evil ones, and usually the evil ones are always the ones that are more spiritual than everybody else. You know what that is? I'm going to give you some revelation. I've never spoken this before. The reason they act that way is they know that they're not receiving the blessings of God. So they are lying unto themselves and anybody that will listen to them, trying to make somebody believe that they are the good truth. You don't have to prove that if you are. Why? Because it shows. It shows. Now, uh, let, let's uh, let's go on. I think i got a couple of verses here I want to get to. No, I don't. No, I don't. Let's go. Uh, let's put something right there. Mark that. Use a marker. Go to the sixth chapter, and I'm going to come back to that. Go to the sixth chapter of Romans. 21, 22. What fruit had you what fruit had you then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting uh, life. Now we are expected not only to produce fruit, but it's to be holy fruit. Okay. We're to produce uh we're to produce holy fruit. Now In John 15:16, I want you to stay keep that marked in Romans 11. In John 15, and we touched this last time. John 15:16, it says Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go forth. You should go and bring forth, I'm sorry, fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And now this is Jesus. And he said, I have chosen you to do that. So you've been chosen to do that. And when you're in the army and they choose you, uh, you have been chosen, young man, to go to the front line. Guess what? You being chosen means you're going. Okay? When you get a letter in the mail saying, uh, Uncle Sam has chosen you to serve in the armed forces to protect this great nation, guess what? You're going. Now Jesus said, I have chosen you and I have ordained you, and we talked about ordination of this last week, that you should go forth and bring, uh, that you should go on and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Okay? Now, when that happens, and we got, and that's the reason we talked last week again, the people that don't produce fruit never get prayers answered. And if they do, it's so few prayers that they get answered that it really doesn't amount to much. Now, you'll hear me often say there's a difference between the blessings of God and general blessings that have been poured over the face this earth upon the just and the unjust alike. Sometimes some things happen to you that you're saying that God blessed you with, the, the guy down the street got blessed too, and he's a heathen. Okay? Now, the rest of this tells a story. If in fact you'll produce the fruit that you've been chosen and ordained to produce, then whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, He may give it you. Then it will work that way. So you see, if the fruit isn't there, the answers, the answers for your prayers aren't there. That's the reason I, you know, I, I said, other than salvation itself, which is everything for your eternal life, uh this fruit production thing is probably the most abused and overlooked process in the church. It's never been taught to the depth that it needs to be taught. It's never been uh, brought. Uh, this is the, the one of the, as I think I said last week, the, this this course that we're going through here, we will probably go through within the first two to three years at least twice in this church. I'm getting ready to go back and do it uh, again in, in the church, and we've been there two years. That's how important that it is. You don't produce the fruit, folks, you might as well hang it up and go home. You might as well go fishing. You might as well find something else to do because all we're doing is playing games. You've got to produce the fruit. And he's saying here, if you'll produce the fruit, and if the produce if the fruit remains, see there's where the catch is. If in fact the the fruit of the spirit remains, you don't leave it in the pew tonight when you go home. If they're 24 hours a day in operation, then you ask what you will of the Father and He'll give it to you. Now, if you want to try God out, try Him. It's a good place to try Him out. You'll find out that it will absolutely, it will absolutely work. The redeemed must bear fruit. It isn't an elective. It's not a choice. You, it's a commandment. A commandment of God. Now the branches have one purpose, and the purpose of the branches is to draw life from the vine, which Christ is that vine. Now, in Luke thirteen, Luke thirteen, six verse. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. and he came and brought fruit and, and and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on the fig tree and find none, cut it down, and, and why cumber it the ground, or why let it cut her up clutter up the ground? And, th- and this was his words. And he answered answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall. Dig around about it and dung it. Fertilize it, is what he's saying. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Now you understand something. It's God's responsibility, I think we talked about last week, the prunus. Okay. And now well in fact, go back into John fifteen. Keep your finger there. I've got your I've got your finger in so many places tonight in the Bible that I might run out of fingers by now. I don't know. It says every branch, 15 to John, says every branch in me that beareth not fruit is taken away. Now, please understand that. Now, we're talking about Christians here, folks. We're not talking about the heathen down the street. We're not talking about the old boy that comes in church and lays drunk all week and then shows up once a month. Speaking in a pickled tongue. All right. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit is taken away, and every branch that beareth fruit is pur- he purged it or purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So every Christian uh, must pay close attention to the pruning principle. You got to you got to pay attention to that. But back over now into that 13th chapter, he's saying. That even down here in the 8th and ninth verse, at best, you're given time after you're being warned to get it done right. Okay? At best. But you're going to have to understand something. We tend to blame other people or the devil uh, when things don't work out for us. Especially when the testing time comes. Of course, we're going to go... Uh we're going to go all the way through that, but you want to keep John 15:2 2 in, in your spirits, in your hearts. God is going to prune you. If you're worth your salt as a Christian, you are going to go through what you the church has feared, and that's about the only fear we got in the church, is, oh, the devil's going to get me. Look at the hell I'm going through now. Well, I'll tell you what. Well, honey, it's scriptural that you go through hell. It's scriptural that you do. Testings and trials is going to come. We're going to try to teach you how to handle those things in time to come. Now let's go, let's go back over now into the 11th chapter of Romans again. You may have thought I forgot that, but I didn't. Now, the 23rd verse, Now, we have talked about Christians being cut off because they're not bearing fruit and the fruit's not remaining. We've given you Jesus talking. We've let you listen to what the Apostle Paul, being led by the Holy Spirit to speak and spoke as such to the church. And here again, Paul's saying something. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, they shall be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again. And you need to circle that, underline it, color code it in so that you can understand that it ain't too late. But the problem is, as I said last week, we got thousands upon thousands of Christian people that have been cut off, that have been cut off from the vine that are just living in pure hell just because they go to church, some of them speak in other tongues, some don't, because of ignorance to the Word of God. Now, we will speak more about the purging process as uh, as we go on because it's important for you to understand the word purge means to cleanse, to prune, to finish. If you use that word finish, God is going to finish us. See, we're in the rough. we preach to say we're diamonds in the rough. Yeah, well, we sure are. The fact of the matter is, we need uh, to be the finished product. So if you use the word he's going to purge us, he's going to finish us. In other words, he's gonna—he's gonna bring us—he's gonna bring us around, he's gonna bring us up. What God's really doing is getting us to a place where, and you want to listen closely to this, He's really getting us to a place where He can really use us, because God can't use people, His children, that are absolutely contrary to His word. He doesn't use them, even though some of them try to tell you that He—they do—that He does. He doesn't so uh, the hope of the matter is that if in fact you have been cut off you can be grafted back in all right now that's what Paul's saying here let's look at that again he says at 23 this is this is the 11th chapter of romans and they also if they abide not still in unbelief shall be grafted in for god is able to graft them in again and that, that and tonight that's what we want to deal with tonight we want to get you, if you have been, uh, listen to this one, grafted out, we want to graft you in. Okay? If, in fact, you, uh, see, this, that's how important that this is. Let's go back to Galatians, the fifth chapter. We're going to end there tonight. That's how important all this is to God. Now, I realize to the church this hasn't been very important, a very important issue. But probably it's been the issue that the devil has hid from the church well enough that it's caused us to be a bunch of bumbling idiots at best, uh, lying to each other about how God has blessed us, and we've all—we we've, most of us have been cut off and don't even know it. Now in Galatians five twenty-two it says, "But the fruit of the spirit is." Now these are the things that should be in your life, working in your life. Now start next week. We're going to go through each one of these, and that'll be such a blessing to you. <laughs> I'm sure. And, and then you're going to be able to pick from yourself where you want to start. Okay? As I said, don't pick all of them. Just start on all of them. Just pick out one. One of them is going to keep you busy for quite some time. Then you can move on to the next one. And after you get about the third one, the first one's going to backdoor you again. When I say backdoor you, you're going to find out that you, that fruit didn't remain. Huh? It's starting to smell like it's a little rotten. Then you're going to have to go back and pick that back up again. You see, that's the reason I tell you. When you wear this set of tapes out, the next set's free. See? Because that's the reason you've got to go, keep going back, and you got to keep maintaining and understanding. This isn't a game. This isn't a, a, a get-quick spiritual church.
1: Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, w